1: Thanks for joining us for another edition of Take Two. I keep waiting for a week where there's nothing to talk about, <laughs> and it just won't happen. So here's a few things we're going to talk about. A new pullout about how Trump, Trumps, how Utahns feel get about President Trump, I'll let you guess. Uh, there has been some talk of racist tweets, I'm guessing you've heard that this week uh, from the president. A 9-11 bill that's gotten a lot of talk, uh, federal minimum wage, homeless shelters are behind schedule and many, many more. So let's start first with this poll that came out. Uh, Utah Policy did this with Y2 Analytics, and 53% of Utahns disapprove of the president. Are you surprised by this number, or
0: is this realistically what you're thinking it should be? So it's what it should be. I, so one thing that's interesting about this poll is, it's actually the same numbers he had in 2016. Hmm. And um, so just the, there's some perspective there. What I think is interesting about these numbers is of the forty or 53% who, disapprove, 44 of them said they strongly disapprove. And usually when you read polls, if you say somewhat, you'll have the conversation. Right now, 44, when you say strongly, you're like, I'm done with the conversation, yeah. I don't like this guy. What was more interesting is they they le- released some more numbers today, and the big thing for me was, in the elect numbers it looks like he's losing so he carried the state in 16 if you remember now he carried it low i think i want to say 45 percent
2: there are three people in today's
0: that numbers too. show he wouldn't win an, an election in, in utah, utah? Yeah. that kind of surprises yeah. me 38 percent
2: well i'm glad it's july so
0: it, it is true so 45 percent is um what approve of him
1: about i think it might be a tiny bit higher and he won with 45%, so that seems pretty on par. Do you think that he's going to make some ground up in the next year and a I, half? Look,
2: I, I think that question means different things at different times. Yeah. I think if you were to ask, do you like this president or not, that's a different question than who someone would ultimately run against and what your feelings of that other candidate might be or might not be. And I also think that, you know, you have primary seasons in, in Utah, so the Democrats will have a primary in June, Republicans will too, and there'll be a... A candidate from there, and then those November races statewide uh, tend to be a little different. Uh, they're not; they're, we're not a swing state, and so I, I, I will say this: Utah is a is a night. Nice, it's Utah nice, and I it, it doesn't surprise me that with all the clamor and all the controversy that we've s- seen this week, that people people do. I mean, in asked in an innocuous way, do you like or not? Would you vote for this person versus without any contrast of another candidate? Would you? I could see where people would be uh, less inclined right now but i
0: forty two percent of people said they unnamed Democrat unnamed third party forty two percent of people said they would vote for those unnamed people and that's after watching the current democratic debate yeah, yeah. they said so I just I think it's going to be interesting the other thing I want to mm-hmm. watch which will be as interesting so uh, congressional district four yes was it fifty percent no and uh Stewart's seat, too, was also at a 50% no. So what's interesting is one yeah. could suspect that Congressman McAdams will will stick with a not-for-Trump. Uh, but Congressman Stewart has actually, from my seat, been gravitating in some ways towards Stewart. Yeah. He's now yeah. in a district, and you're right, point in time, right? But at this moment in time, 50% of his district says they don't approve of
2: but I'd like to see the crosstabs. I mean, this is kind of wonking out politically, yeah. but yeah, those crosstabs are... Uh, registered Republicans, unaffiliated. Unaffiliated is our largest yeah. voting group, uh, voting, uh, group but uh, then registered Democrats. But in the primaries for each political party, well, I actually don't know if it's the case with the Democrat party, but the Republicans, it's registered Republicans. So primary, you're, that cross cross table will, will give you kind of a weather vane as things progress closer to a, a general election. Sure. But yeah,
1: and one thing that I think that we saw in the last election, I said it then and I'll probably say it again this next time, is that there's a lot of people who don't like President Trump, they don't like the way he talks, they think he's nasty, but they like what he's doing, like passing and politically doing, and I think there's enough people that are willing to hold their breath, plug their nose, and just say, well, he'll get the Supreme Court picks I want, or he'll stick with this, even though I don't like him and I don't like the, the nastiness he creates around him, they vote for him in the well, end. Well,
2: I, I will say broadly, his poll numbers, the Rasmussen poll that came out, his numbers went up from Monday till yesterday. Um, I think that what happens is when he tweets, uh, there's a plain-spoken message that he, sometimes even with grammatical errors, plain right? Plain-spoken
0: messages. Um,
2: but what what I think happens is when, that, when the narrative of that tweet becomes so shrill and it becomes so negative, I think there's a lot of people in this country that would read what he wrote and say, I'm not drawing the exact same conclusion. In fact, I think that they're getting a little bit out there... I, so if we're going so, there,
1: was the president racist in his case? I, I,
2: don't, I actually don't. I think if you read what he said, I, and and by the way, he wasn't saying send them back like you heard some of those chants in the most recent rally in North Carolina. I think he was, was saying, rough. look, if you if, if this country uh, has, has not served you well or you don't like this country or you would want to change its form of government or be more socialist, go to the countries that you think that you – you could make a difference and, and do the that things you want
0: think that that's what he was saying i do. He did it I, in I, your I, heart. I honestly do in your i really heart, do I, I, in
2: my heart i do and i'll tell you this i think that the reason why i think that the the chattering class that we are and i'm part of this chattering class i think we, we look at these talk. we look at these things and we try to draw these conclusions but i think the american people when they hear the rhetoric get so inflammatory i think it discredits the media i think it discredits those who want to draw such draconian conclusions from what he wrote. I, I think that people read that and go, I just don't see that in what he so wrote. I think now, would I write it, no, but I would say. Racist. I mean, yeah. I think
0: racism, you can judge. Actions, you can judge. What's yeah. in his heart, unlike Kellyanne Conway, I don't care what's in his <laughs> heart, but I, I racism, you can judge. And on face, yeah. that was racist. Now, is he? I don't know. Don't care. A he wrote a racist statement. The other thing that I just find slightly hypocritical is this man who's saying, "Don't criticize the United States if you don't want to live here." As his slogan, his catchphrase is an indictment of the United States: "Make it great again." I mean, yeah. he led with sort of change negativity. So I will say, I just think on face, there's so no way to say that. Let me to, let to let test that, that
2: for one racist. second. So the same group—they con- did did—they call themselves the Squad. All of a sudden, these four members of Congress—they the Squad. I don't Congress think they did. I think somebody squad. else. Yeah. Maybe,
0: maybe
1: Trump called them the Squad. I don't, I, know. I don't, I don't know. know. I do not, I do not know. The
2: origin. I tried to find it. I don't know because I think they call themselves a squad at this point. I don't know. Squad. We're talking four My members of Congress. My teenager and her right? friends
1: call each other a squad, so it's this just
2: group a thing. also just the week prior said that Speaker Pelosi was racist, and they were very strong about that. I, I had the problem I have with politics today is if these four members of Congress call the Speaker of the House, who is of their party, a racist. There, it feels like to me there's this collective eye roll. But then if they say it about a Democrat, it is the worst thing and the most accurate thing ever said. I just, it's, it, it goes back to this selective outrage or selective logic that always gets applied. Is she, I mean, you know, you had that, that woman well, Carol, is her name, Carol King, the woman from CBS that interviewed them. Oh, right. She interviewed them and she asked Gail the, King? Gail King, she yes, Oprah's a great, friend. She's actually a really good interviewer and yeah. she, I thought they were really disrespectful towards her. If you watch that interview, you can watch, You can Google it on YouTube. Um, she asked about that. You've, you, you said that the speaker's uh, is racist, and and one of the comments from one of the members of Congress was, I didn't say she was racist. I said what she said was racist. Well, if we're going to parse words here, is the president's words racist, or is he a racist? I mean, again, I don't think we're applying or they are applying an even hand or. Uh, an appropriate life is well, a two-way street. Standard, this. People, and that's where the that's where the you the a lot of president of
0: the United States of America. Your defense can't be Johnny bit me first, and therefore, right, right, right. The rules that apply to Mill Creek Daycare Center, like I think, I think they have to go in. And so when he says those things, it is fair. And and the the problem that Trump has is he tweets them, so therefore they're in record. Yeah. Um. And they're not taken out of context. They're in record. So. I don't disagree with the with the distraction and having the conversation of holding everybody accountable. I actually agree with that. But the externalization, the somehow the media isn't treating the president fairly.
2: I just so here, I, I think the narr- I think these national narratives are, are not even they don't even resemble each other. And let's let's not say that these are just people off the street you're polling. Sure. These are members. This is 435 members of Congress out of 300 million people. Okay, that's a that is a pretty elect group of people making pretty important decisions or should be for this country. Even the people that how they've ascended and been able to represent, I think speaks well of this country, not negatively of this country. Um, their conduct, the words they use, the way they speak of uh, people that are Jewish. I'm telling you, I could show you printed the things that are said that I have been taught as a child and believe today are anti-Semitic. So you're equally so
0: disturbed though by I, by what Trump said so, but what and I'm saying, what the squad What I'm said.
2: saying is, I don't think I think that there has been harsher and more racist comments made by these members of Congress than what the president has tweeted. And I think you'd be surprised. I think many people that have read the tweet would not just immediately align in the category of this was a racist trope. That okay. He threw out One more for question long.
1: for both of you on this issue, and then we're going to move along because. <laughs> This is like a headache, talking about them sometimes. <laughs> so every time President Trump says something, I feel like as a reporter that I need to call our six members of Congress, our two senators, our four congressmen to have them react. At some point, do they just need to do their job and not have to react to every word he says? Or do they need to show the people who are voting them for them where they stand every time he says this? Do They were reticent. Uh, eventually, um, Senator Romney said something and was it Stewart? There was one other. I am sorry that I'm forgetting. Um, Sent out statements, but should they send out statements to say this was wrong? McAdams, McAdams. that's what it was. Yes, thank you. So should they say this is wrong or should they not have to answer every time the president tweets?
0: So I think it's both. I think they're compelled to respond when asked. I think that otherwise we look at them and say, oh, let me tell you what it means when they don't respond. I do think there is some sense, and I I am sympathetic to how the media guides this. And I think it's somewhat at the heart of what Greg is saying. So how do you, uh, uh, the tradition of the media is to give someone like the president attention. We have a unique president, in which sometimes he's kind of riffing a little bit. That's that's me being gentle. And so, (laughs) so the question does become, I am intrigued by trying to maybe ignore things that don't warrant a public debate. Yeah. I do think that that members are required to participate in the public forum if it's presented to them, yeah. but I do think it's interesting. I, I would feel fine about the media saying it wasn't worthy of the discussion.
1: Yeah, and both thank of them that answered, um, thank I, you for reminding that. me, McAdams and Romney, after they sent a message, because people were saying, Romney, you need to say something. You were elected saying you're going to hold him accountable. Everyone hated what he said. And then when McAdams sent his out, everyone hated what he said. So I don't know that they made anyone happy. Should they be
2: answering? I, 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 I appreciate what Morris just said. we got to get to the substance here. Yeah, We do. We have to decide whether we liked those tax cuts or if we like the judges he's uh, appointing to the courts, federal courts and Supreme Court. We have to decide what's happening on that border are we going to do it better? Is what it is? What, what's happening there? Is that an issue of Congress? Is it the executive branch? Is it the lack of working together? I, we've got to get to these issues that are real and that they're impacting people's lives. And I would like to get—I'd like some of the shiny trinkets and some of the hyperbole that is, I think, dominating the the narrative right now. I'd like that to be. Um,
1: uh, Clean it up, everyone, yeah, so just, we don't have to come talk, on, talk about
2: you. Let's talk here. substance. That's right. what this show's for, yeah. by the let's way. Let's talk substance. We'll do that here.
1: Because for years, people have been talking about a federal mm-hmm. minimum wage that should be higher. And uh, the House had a vote this week. They were voting... For a fifteen dollar minimum wage. They had a couple Republicans vote in favor of it, and then six uh, Democrats, including McAdams, voted against it. Uh his reason for voting against it, he said that you can't just say fifteen dollars an hour across the country and have it be the same because living in San Francisco or New York is vastly different than Utah. Would you agree with that, Mara? Or is fifteen dollars a fair way to give everyone a running
0: chance at life? Okay, hey, I'm going all in on this. All right, one. let's <laughs> do it. Let's go all the way. Uh, I appreciate what what Um, McAdams said, and I appreciate that there needs to be regional discussions of what is a living wage, and I appreciate having that discussion after we pass a $15 an hour minimum wage. The minimum wage right now is unconscionable. If you've never done this, go, and there's a lot of sites, so I'm not gonna name a site. Go online and find a minimum wage calculator. And it allows you to put in basic expenses, which have nothing to do with what we spend every month. It's, uh, here's how I live with my family expenses. And the current minimum wage, you're working 80, 90 hours uh, uh, a week to make your bills and keep your kids fed. We have to adjust the minimum wage. I'm gonna use words that are communistic. We have to redistribute the wealth. There has to be a sense of, I'm talking about working for it. I'm Mm -hmm. not talking, remember we're talking about free market here. But we have become accustomed to accepting that someone should die with two million, two billion dollars in their bank account. And it was because they, we, we find it acceptable for more and more people at the top and not honoring the workers. So I'm talking about work a day, hard work, blue collar, hold the job, be responsible. I am not talking about supplementation. But somehow we've tended to value the super wealth, the majority wealth of a few, and the minimum wage has to be raised. It's not livable right now. Can businesses handle that, Greg? I know that's a uh, question that a lot handle. of people I'll, have.
2: I'll tell you, they can handle it easily, but I don't know if it will be the way that you're Hoping they will. What has happened in major metropolitan areas where their uh, their city jurisdictions have increased the minimum wage yeah. is you see kiosks appear where people used to work. They'll put the kiosk in place where people will self serve and they'll press the order of what they want. Um, they'll pe- they'll hire people part time because the full time there may be a, a a requirement that they be a full time employee. So that's where the minimum wage would increase. So they begin to hire part time more often. The bit. The issue is, in the state of Utah, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find the minimum wage as the average wage here. I think that the the market demands people are going to work where they can be best compensated. And remember, this isn't the wage hopefully everyone's going to live at forever. You have a starting wage, and hopefully as you work hard and you do these things, you're going to see more compensation for the work that you do. I think the market has a great way of, uh, as an equilibrium of finding where that is. If you, for those that don't know, when you write a law, as well-intentioned and as good as it might sound— There's always workarounds. There always is, and you'll see them in ways that, uh, that I don't think will achieve what the spirit or the intent of the legislation was So made.
1: I'm not an economist, but I was thinking about the idea if someone were making $15 an hour as opposed to $7.25 here in Utah, I believe, is the minimum wage, or whatever is in other states, would it then take pressure off the federal government where maybe there were um, less people living on assistance, where they could, would that change that dynamic and in the end buoy things?
2: You know, I think that the, I think that, that debate, I, look, I'm a state's rights guy, I was a state lawmaker for 16 years. I think that it would be very dangerous, not just with the minimum wage, but with a lot of the policies we see that are federal that don't take into account. Um, I'll, President Bush's, George W. Bush's No Child Left Behind that said you had to have a registered teacher for okay. each topic. We had rural communities and school districts in Utah that wouldn't, didn't have the luxury of having someone that had a degree in the respective uh, class, science, or math that they were teaching. So it was this federal standard that really did not fit the, diff, the rural, the suburban, the urban communities around this country. I, I think that the, the minimum wage uh, it would not address the issues ac- all across all fifty it's states. It's not a
0: panacea for and sure. I, it's not a panacea. And if it
2: becomes an issue here, I think the legislature would deal but with, with it. But seven twenty-five, we
0: want to have this discussion: yeah. why people are are forced to go to other means to survive. America America's not valued working class people. So I would say, you know, one of the things I, I've owned a small business for eighteen years, and and I don't have a widget, which means I don't have a margin. I I am a professional service firm, so I have to be working for it. I can do that. I could offer health care before it was mandated. Why? Because I valued it. I could offer to pay people a living wage. Why? Because I value them. And often government is the catalyst for that. So I agree with you. When people say we we raise the minimum wage and all this you know, milk and honey comes, I agree with that. But I would rather see us respect a living wage and then deal with the outcomes of it. I do think that when they say it shuts down industry, those are outliers.
1: What about the Starbucks of the world, when you look at them, probably could afford it. I've never bought a cappuccino before. here they're expensive, but um, I'm guessing they have a lot more money that they could raise the wages easier than a mom and pop shop. Would it hurt some of the smaller ones trying to compete with bigger companies if they had to raise that wage?
0: I. I- I've raised my wages, and it does cut into my profit margins. And am I still living a comfortable life and having my needs met? And relatively, am I still doing better than my employees? If I'm being honest, yes. So it's really about values, and it's really about respecting people's work, and it's about not building off of people who are in positions in which they can't advocate for themselves. And so, which we've become such superheroes of the multi-billionaire, instead of saying, "Yeah, you, you, you should." I love, I love capitalism, but we also must respect at a fundamental those who work a hard day and should get respected for that work and one of the big ways to respect people ask a woman is to pay them equally pay them what they're worth
2: let's just not get into the the vicious cycle that we've seen so often that we regulate something to the point where it's right. almost dead, and then we subsidize it. That's right. And then we start sending money right. to it so yeah. it doesn't Nobody disappear. wants to see that. I, I just so don't want to see that because that's, that's it, again, done with the best of intentions, but you can, the regulatory climate can actually uh, disrupt in a way that then – you're told we need to subsidize know, to yeah. keep alive. So
1: speaking of the best of intentions, Greg has wanted to talk about a topic for three <laughs> weeks and somehow I have pushed it to the side because we have not It's had a time. conspiracy. It is not a conspiracy, although this week I feel bad because now it's in the news this week yeah, and you it was were scooped. talking about it three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it's
2: it's all the talk now. I now know. we're after the fact.
1: So the homeless shelters they're not going as planned and right no. now they're asking for a bridge loan of uh, twenty one was it $1 million dollars? Right now to get things finished up because they want to make sure they pay. The contractors are there so they have a paycheck to take home to their families. So yeah. things are not going smoothly. What went wrong? You I'm, were part of yeah, this process. Yeah, I'm frustrated.
2: I, you know, in December of 18, as I was leaving office, uh, I I could show you the the, the plans and the trajectory. Uh, we were on schedule. We were on budget. We had the South Salt Lake Resource Center that was behind that we yeah. knew about. Uh, we had looked at value engineering for all of the sites in terms of what we would have to take out or try to find efficiency so that we didn't go over budget. We I worked very, very hard with President Niederhauser, with then uh, Mayor Ben McAdams, with Lieutenant Governor uh, Spencer Cox, and the, your respective staffs and infrastructure that you have in state, county, uh, and uh, even municipal governments, and with service providers. And I felt that things were on a very good track. We put in statute for a reason, that June 30th, the road home, which is in downtown Salt Lake, uh, the Rio Grande area would close its doors and that those three resource centers would be open and operational on July 1st. We are now July 19th. That deadline, it came and it disappeared. It was explained that whether a wet spring, uh, construction overruns or, or complications might have delayed it, but the sad reality is that there was uh, providers chosen through an RFP uh, and decided on in, in November of 2018 They did not, uh, until just within this last week, had operational contracts or leases. That means that Catholic Community Services is unable to hire the 60 additional people they need until they have those contracts signed, so there's certainty. Um, You have some of that step-up work that when I left and I looked at the graph that said these things would be done in the early part Mm -hmm. of the year, that fundamentally were not done. And they don't have one thing to do with weather, and they don't have one thing to do with construction. So my fear is you saw the Senate president who retired this year. I retired this year. uh, Mayor Ben McAdams is now a U.S. congressperson. We are no longer there. You have our lieutenant governor there. You have Department of Workforce Services, which I know they are working as hard as they can. However, I fear that the attention, the focus, the hair on fire priority, that this has to stay. We're at the end game here. This is the very end. This is where we have spent five years trying to get a new model, not just shelters, but resource centers that move people and help them get to self-reliance. This is the moment, this is the very window that should be happening and what happens? They don't open. We don't have a new date, drop dead date of when everything will be in. And now we learn that there are overruns, large overruns. It's
1: someone a fault There's this stuff sometimes happen?
2: I think, I, look, <laughs> it's, I would say that the state took a very strong leadership role And I don't think that that same sense of urgency exists today. Draw from that whatever you'd like in terms of conclusion, but I I do not think the sense of urgency remains uh, as as it once was. And I think there needs to be a refocus and there needs to be that sense of urgency because here's what we have. That date was important because we need to make sure this is a bed-for-bed transfer. And why in June or July 1? Because in the warmer months, we know those beds are, are lower. Yeah. You need to start getting people to self-reliance. So as the weather gets colder, we're able to, to be able to help people in need more and more often. If you wait as the weather gets cold, and I looked at the farmer's almanac, it turns oh <laughs> out you got days in in October Damn. that are cold. Right. You have frost hitting at the end of October. So we're not talking December. When those days start to get cold and people need somewhere to, to stay, if your number of people in need... Is larger than the resource centers can accommodate, you will not close that that the, the road home. You'll because you it would be inhumane to do that. You will lose these opportunities and you will just simply backfill so what we have. That cannot happen. I don't believe it will, but we have to be laser focused on that and not allow that to be the case.
0: So how do we do that? Any ideas here? So, I mean, I will say a rare, Greg covered the issue well and completely. It, it, and, and it's really high stakes. Mm-hmm. So one of it, we've got to infuse the stakes back into it. The, yeah. the failure of this is worse than the problem that it was trying to solve. Um, it gets it has been compounded and exacerbated during this transition time. Not, the transition didn't cause it, but as you transition, you put a lot on hold, and if you can't go again, as Greg yeah. is suggesting, this is what Greg is saying, yeah. if you can't go again, here's the number one, and I'm just gonna underline it from what Greg said, the number one thing I want to see from somebody so part of the sentence that's the problem is from somebody. From somebody wanna, what I want to see is a lockdown committed timeline. Because what's most yes. disturbing, I can do forgiveness. Greg knows all about slipping, <laughs> construction, deadlines, prison. So I, I, think, <laughs> I think that like that's forgivable. And huge complex projects have huge complex problems. Yeah. What disturbed me is they didn't say reasons for the slippage, new date. And And so what I think we have to insist on is, Show me a serious new timeline. Show me serious new deliverables. Show me the leadership. And again, I say that not indicting the hardworking people. I'm saying to the hardworking people, insist on it. Yeah. Insist on it in every room. Don't don't get defensive of us criticizing you. Step up and say, I hear you. You must support us because the consequences of, of not having the yeah. old system in place and the new system in place when we head into the winter months is almost catastrophic. And that's where we, yeah.
1: in the news we can probably be a part of this in- and holding leaders accountable and checking back in on them, Because I know that we did a lot of stories, a lot of stories as it was getting going. I and mean, then when the building process has been happening, it's been quiet. So it's time for us to start asking it more questions. absolutely And yeah. I, I think
2: we need to every single day ask when, when. I mean, we, I really wish yes. there was that hard line date. And I'm hearing dates. I'm hearing yeah. ranges of exactly. dates. I, we need that because that's what the statute was meant to do. That's right. Put a line in the sand, and that's what we need.
1: All right. Some people want to draw a line in the sand in places where maybe they shouldn't be drawing lines in the sand or waste time. We had another um, council this week vote on abortion. Is there a reason to do this? Should communities be saying this is how we feel or is it
0: a waste of time for the taxpayers in those municipalities? This broke my heart. A city. So it's important because I'm not talking about the issue. They they passed an anti-abortion piece of lead, uh, a resolution. Yeah. And so what's important to me about this is it was a resolution, non-binding. It was a, it was a message bill, mm-hmm. um, but it was a city who was taking the action. So I say, federal government. You're taking random positions all the time. You're posturing, you're pontificating. State government, occasionally you too do that. We love a good lawsuit against the UN. We love (laughs) message bills. Okay, I've learned to tolerate that. Local municipal government is the last bastion of please do something for me and my family. So what I was disturbed by, not the content. I'm not. I'm, I'm not trying to approach that. The yeah. other thing I want to give permission to. And what to, city
1: was it this time?
0: Highland City. Yeah, and I believe and Harrowman been, has done
1: the same. And maybe I want to say Riverton. Riverton. That yeah. Was it,
0: yeah. And so I just want to say to all local electeds and the people that they serve, I care about water, I care about potholes, I care about my garbage, I care about trail access, I care about safety. You have so much important work. There's a reason that you guys have good approval ratings is because prior to this, you've done a pretty good job keeping your head down. You're nonpartisan, you're productive government close to the people is best to the people. I will keep going with my mantras. I love local government. I'm going to really be the one hollering during the national elections to talk about local government. It impacts us more. It's more meaningful. It's about our families and our quality of life. Don't move to message bills. Don't move to statements. Don't move to reiterating, underlining, and redefining what the Utah Constitution has so expressly said. Stay out of the pontification business. Now, if you as an elected official, want to use that bully pulpit on your own if you want to hold rallies if you want to say as the mayor I'm clearly a smart person and so if I if you trust me enough to do this trust me to have this own belief I'm not telling you to not be crafty about your political prowess just don't do it at the dais in a formal way because I really need I need local government to stay focused on producing the services
1: Can you agree with Mara do you feel like I sometimes do. the pendulum swung and they need to say something about it before Well it's too I think late? That's
2: why you're hearing those resolutions because you hear states like New York and Virginia that are saying they're pushing abortions to the the late third trimester, and even if they were partially born or or whatever they're calling it, I'm I'm trying not to use pejoratives like infanticide or something that sounds too extreme. But I don't know what we're supposed to call it if there's if you have descriptions of a a late third trimester partial birth or a birth, and then they're even contemplating. Determination. So is it I think okay, that then? I think that's where you see, and I, I'm just going to say again, as you've pointed out, Mara, let's take the issue aside. The more extreme positions that you hear, the other side you're going to see uh, re- respond. Uh, I worry about that in, in gun issues, right to bear mm-hmm. arms. If I see someone who wants to, there was a video of a person that took some, I don't know, machine gun or something into a Sears on their back, and I thought that could be a, a, a gun control advocate because that image is so stark, crazy that it would easily allow people to not want to see people have guns if you see that image. Yeah. So and that was you know so my point is we got to be the more something gets extreme you're going to start to see other issues happen. Now what if instead of it being a con- right of center issue of abortion or pro life it was lands. Federal lands. We want as cities to have a resolution that says we want more of those lands or we want the the national monument to be bigger not smaller. Would democrats be saying, "Hey, don't think about those things. Stay to the job at hand and the local issues at hand, or would they so be okay I will with be. that?
0: I will be telling them to yeah. stay. Now, here's my exception to the rule there are things that and and land not in general not federal lands but if it's talking about Utah open lands maybe there is or so lands anything in their the leaks of cities and towns okay. anything that there's a reason i should be clear there is a reason for local government to petition the state government that's not what this was this was there's no jurisdictional right. authority for a local person there's frankly not as much jurisdictional authority on the state level. So this was a pure meshes bill. I'm not judging the message of it. It was orchestrated by an outside group, good for them for having strategy, but um, they're systematically seem to be picking off cities to make judgments. So I, I, know, yeah. I know your argument needs to be, but what if the other side does it? I'm saying then the other side shouldn't do it because Local government works, Greg. Yes, let us not mess it up with these random. I was just messages. trying to think of one
2: that would be left to center that you, to, to put that like it as a federal issue. Well, just something that's <laughs> Let's federal go down that on cities gun wouldn't control, have. Because as, much. as I remember, yeah. wait a minute.
0: Oh, that's right. The state legislature told local jurisdictions yeah. that they were not allowed to open yeah, on gun a, laws. We do, oh, well, right. we do. we a That's right. We do have an example of a local issue law
2: across the state because it would be very hard to know each state's jurisdictions. On guns. Laws on guns. And yet but, you are
0: thumbs up on issues but, you care about, and yet you've restricted local governments. You've oppressed, no, I, if not mandated, local governments no, to that's not talk about guns. Guns. That's not true.
2: <laughs> that isn't a protection of those, of those rights. But I'm just, <laughs> what I was trying to do, and I think we actually agreed we in do there agree. somewhere we do in agree. the we agree to was about that something. if we don't think that that legislative body of that jurisdiction really has a touch on it. They right. should be spending their time or their time and, and talents on the issues confronting the constituents they represent, That's right? right? That's Jack, right. And they're doing uh, that I well. I'm you.
0: giving them an attaboy and saying, yeah. stay out of the, the muck that Greg
1: Do and what I you heard. do well. Yeah. All right. That's right. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was something that was also happening in the nation's capital this week uh, the 9 11 bill. And a lot of people have been accusing uh, Senator Rand Paul and Utah Senator Mike Lee of holding this up, not wanting to help victims of 9-11, some that we even have uh, here in Utah that went and helped at Ground Zero. They're getting cancer. Uh, They were trying to pass a bill that was going to go for 80 to 90 years to cover everyone who could possibly, to perpetuity in the future, get something from that. Mike Lee was trying to dial it back uh, for a little more, I, I guess it was a shorter time span, $10 billion, 10 years. Mara, was this a good idea to have a little more I guess, governance over the money, approve it again in 10 years, or is this just not caring about the people who've been hurt trying to help our country?
0: Souped to nuts. This was political gamesmanship, and he misplayed it, and he's walking it back a little today. But there is unequivocally no excuse for not funding and supporting anything that the 9-11 um, Uh, firefighters, police officers, everyone who came to that, and there's a long history of the challenges they're facing, and so that's real. The other thing that's very real Mm -hmm. is there's never been an erroneous complaint, and so... I appreciate the gamesmanship, Mm -hmm. I appreciate the buying time, I appreciate a strategy that he wanted to talk about other issues. But I don't appreciate that this is one of the rare topics that should not have gamesmanship applied to it.
1: So was this a place where it was, he's always a fiscal hawk, I Mm -hmm. believe no matter what the issue was, I think he was in the last big bill where they were trying to get money passed to help after fires and floods and whatnot. Is there a time for fiscal conservatism, conservatism and is this a good time to do it? Is it always a good time? I, a good I, time? I do think
2: you have to apply your eye. I, I know John Stewart uh, having had a show that was very popular and having a platform to yell a lot. I mean, I know it. I, I, I hear the narrative that you're saying. I don't think that's what the senator was looking to do. To your point, Mara, that there hadn't been fraud and that that, that fund had been administered appropriately, I think it was the opinion of some that this new these new dollars were not mirroring or taking the the attention towards fraud or abuse that could happen. And so there were some amendments not to withhold anything from these firefighters or those that would need this, this yeah. fund, but how do they structure it in a way where they have as much confidence in the money going forward as the fund had up until then. And so I, I believe, and I think it's the case that, and I think it's been reported, that the senator was ready to vote on that. Uh, even the day in which those amendments or those uh, you know, guardrails were, were sought to be put around mm-hmm. the, that, those dollars, uh, but there were others that didn't want to, uh, want to do it right then. But I believe it's since passed. And, I, and maybe I think that they've got that through now. But I, I genuinely, I know, Mike, Senator Lee, I do not think he would ever uh, not want to help those in need. I don't think he would look to politicize uh, our firefighters or those that found themselves uh, needing that assistance. I think he just want to be very careful with those funds and make sure they, have, they would be uh, appropriated the same way they have up until now.
1: Alright, one last issue before we go. Mara's giving you a look. Uh, the <laughs> you know what that look
2: was by the way? It was like... You're wrong, but I'm just gonna You're go wrong. on to the next issue. I can read you I, I can feel he has your look. seen that
1: look from his wife. I can so feel many your times. look. Oh. <laughs> Do you get in trouble at home often, Greg? I'm not going to comment on that. All I'm right, fine. Gonna... I need to meet your wife. I haven't done that yet. She's okay. The boss, yeah. She is the boss. Yeah. Women should be the boss. Uh Utah lawmakers we're gonna talk about this more in the future as the next session comes up. They're looking to the idea of possibly legalizing a safe place to inject heroin to provide treatment options. We want to talk about is this a great idea or the worst idea ever? Jim Spiewak just did a story about it last week. Um, I believe it's State Representative Jennifer Daly Provost who is going to lead the charge in this. Uh, Mara, I know you have strong feelings on this one. so. Is this dangerous to tell people, hey, this is where you come. We've got an office. You can come shoot up heroin here. Does it encourage drug use to do this?
0: So I'm going to start with the age old for the next discussion, but it means we got to read the bill, right? But here are some things I know about these programs. The most successful one that people talk about is Vancouver did this. Yeah. And people were worried about this. The police were really worried about this. Uh, there's never been a death in any of these centers. Um, you need to regulate, and there are some components of these that I think make it successful? Are you using these also as opportunities to educate um, and interface? Now, not to the point where the people they're intended for don't want to come yeah. in, but there are educational aspects. With some big things that happen though, or random um, sightings of needles used needles, which is a real big problem in low-income areas for children go down. So so disposing of needles, they have statistically shown this. Um, it also has relieved the, the deaths through heroin. They've never had a death in one of these centers. The other thing I think we can rely on. So all of us are nervous about. But this. if you want to, all sh- of us are nervous. Right? If you need
1: a high and you're like, I need heroin. My question is, are you going to shoot it up at home because you're feeling like you need a? I've never, I don't know what you're feeling. Right. is. but. Do you shoot it up at home or do you think, I'm going to drive to this safe location and go shoot up here and there? Will people actually go and use a center yeah, like that? Yeah, so I think these
0: are mostly not for people probably sitting in their home in Sandy. I think these are mostly for people who are more at risk in their lifestyle at that point. But yeah. here's some things we know about who's using in Utah. Yeah. It's our nieces, it's our sons. It's a lot. And so, I, So one of the things we need to not do is, and this is hard, I mean that, it's hard, is to not, where is our moral compass on healthcare policy? And that's not easy, I don't, and I'm not implying that this is a moral issue, but where do, no one wants to perpetuate it, no one wants the community to send the signal that heroin's great, we just want you to be safe. No, no one thinks heroin is good. I I don't think this is though, what this is a lot of out of sight, out of mind. Um, The kids aren't seeing junkies shoot up because they are in safe centers. I think it is about saving lives, lives. I do think it decreases. The other thing that I think is so critical, critical about this issue is we don't have to guess. We do have programs that have tried it, and I'm sure they've learned things, and I'm sure they've failed. So one thing is we're not experimental when we do this. And because of those things, because it's not experimental, mm-hmm. because they've shown that it saves lives, because I think it affects particularly kids in questionable environments taking um, the the used needles and taking the risk of infectious diseases. Because of that, all I'm saying is it's worthy of the discussion. It's worthy of not discarding it just because you're saying, well, I'm not going to perpetuate... But it's kind of a moral judgment and again about I don't want to be perceived as in any way condoning or con- this behavior I think we're all there but I think there's a lot of facts that we can look to that make this worthy of a discussion can
1: Utah do this I look at how hard the medical marijuana fight is let alone making a safe place for people to shoot yeah. up heroin can we can the can the Utah legislature, do something like that, is it an idea that people could wrap their brains around, or does it so tell before, people, hey, be- yeah, before come sure"? Before I, that, I say absolutely
2: cool. no, the, uh, before I even go there, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> what, what Mara said. So Vancouver, and I, I haven't read the study from Vancouver, but if we have best practices, and Vancouver is one of them, yeah. we need to learn uh, what did they do that when Seattle tried has been a disaster. Many metropolitan areas have pointed to Vancouver or some Van- community where it's worked but these major metropolitan cities in the United States, it is not. Um, the hardest part I have is what I saw when I was down there. And it's not the moral part of this, it's the legal part. Okay. It's if we know that having drug paraphernalia is illegal, if we know that heroin, heroin dealing, heroin trafficking, heroin is illegal, how do how do we ask law enforcement to say, here's the place where you can use the when paraphernalia you that diet. you're not yeah. supposed to have. If I caught you in a car, we'd arrest you for having it. Um, it just becomes, I think, very difficult to, to enforce. And what I'm afraid about would happen is if you have an area where you allow what is now illegal to do, and that is you use heroin and to... to, to Should we legalize it. heroin? No, I don't think so. So <laughs> no. I'm going to tell you, look, we worked on medical cannabis hard enough. I <laughs> heroin's a whole other story. But if we have those safe places, I don't know how we still draw the distinction between what's what's legal, what's not. And what I'm afraid that does is it becomes a magnet for these cartels. Everybody, I think, forgets that in, in the summer of 17, we you know had two competing so cartels fighting for market share. Cartels and it's because don't, it was being used Cartels so
0: don't, don't, are not drawn to regulated systems. So I, I dismiss the notion that if you regulated the crontels, will flock to it because they love a sense of order. And isn't, and there, isn't there a usage
2: so, that goes up for that no, at all? No, no. And
0: usage doesn't go up. And there's no version that says, ah, I've never been a heroin user, but that tent, it's so enticing. It doesn't increase. And remember, it doesn't increase access to drugs because the drugs are still there. The other part of it is it would be naive of us to think that these people are not shooting up somewhere right now. That is public or semi-public. At least this takes that out of the public space. The the police officers right now are making everyday decisions about. They see that kind of crime every day. And they rightly so know that that person is not served going into our incarceration systems. They know that that person is not served by that. So I agree the hardest problems to have are the hard problems. And people living on the edges and drug abuse and homelessness, all of this is hard stuff. But, But I will say, you know, safety and lives... I, I'm I compelled. Mar- the
2: only thing I would say, and I would have to see the difference between it, is I felt that in the summer of seven, 2017, in the Rio Grande area, you had an open drug climate. You could you could buy, you could sell, you could use okay. in the presence of police officers and everyone else and there was no consequence. Right. I felt that that became a fountainhead for addiction. I felt that the numbers, and we know the numbers, were growing year over year in, in all aspects. Uh, not just the people, but the violence and, the, and some of the, the things that were going on. I would need to know what would be different about a regulated area. Like you're talking about you and versus I agree about the dynamic the full, of Rio Grande. Yeah,
0: yeah, the full
2: right. open air drug market we were seeing uh, that was going on there, I would need to know what was different about and I that. I
0: agree. My point is let's not shut it down. Uh, let's not shut it down. Let's talk about okay. it. Okay. All right. We're going to continue talking we keep about talking. it. We have talked so much today. We are out of time. We will continue talking about this
1: because I think this is not an issue yeah. that's going yeah, away. Nice. And next week, I'm sure we're going to have lots more to talk about. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe. Tell your friends about it because we think we're awesome. Listen, Bye, guys. Listen, watch.
2: Get up the numbers up. We're having a great time here.